ELC Radio. Love God. Lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. Searching through pages of this novel, piecing myself into this puzzle. I know I don't belong. I'm giving up, finding my place in this world. 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 Now go ahead and open your Bibles to John 17, 13 through 18. John 17, 13 through 18. And we've been in a series called In It But Not Of It. And I believe this is a revelation that's needed. Uh, The last few months we were talking about crossing over, which just to give you some background is is discussing leaving. uh, You know, we all got saved. That means we came out of Egypt. But then people got to understand just because you're not in the world anymore, you still have a destination called destiny, your promised land, the thing God created you for, the best life, John 10, 10. But sometimes what happens to Christians is we leave the world, but we get stuck in this wilderness living and we call it Christianity. It's really not God's best, but it's where people settle. And so if you missed that series, go on our uh, go on our podcast, on our free app. You can listen to that. And I encourage you to. But part of that and we talked about is what it takes to cross over. And Israel left the wilderness and they possessed their promised land. And in response to that, I felt like God was telling me, you need to teach the people and remind them that now they're in a promised land living. They are from me and not from the world. You know, I believe God is trying to remind us who we are and who we are. We are children of God. We have been adopted into the household of faith. We are sons and daughters of God. Can I get an amen? The Bible also calls us heirs of righteousness. That means we're heirs like a prince and a princess is an heir to the throne. We have rights. We have power. We have abilities. Okay. But the problem is in the wilderness, catch me now, these things don't manifest. It's in the promised land that the miracles really flow. In the wilderness, the the only miracle you really get is God taking care of you. Remember the Israelites, they got manna, they had heat at night, and they had shade in the day, and their clothes never ran out. And there's a lot of people that would be straight with that. (laughs) Amen. Oh, I ain't got to buy clothes no more. Praise God. You know, we ain't got to worry about food. But see, that's that's not your best life. The best life is moving over the Jordan and conquering a land. And once Israel did that, that's when the miracles started to flow. That's when they defeated the walled city of Jericho. 
That's when they overcame battle after battle. Matter of fact, one time they were fighting and taking their promised land because in the promised land, you have to fight for things. If you want a good marriage in the promised land, you got to fight for it. Oh, I got three amens on that. If you want a good life, you don't have to fight for it. But one time the battle was getting so intense that Joshua looks up at the sun and he saw that it was going down and he said, sun, stand still. And the sun did. And did you know most uh, cultures have a record in their ancient whatever record keeping that there's a day that was longer than any other day? It's marked on the Mayan calendar, which is on the other side of the world. Even they knew oh, it might have been the darkness, a longer night than regular. I don't know how that works. But it's, it's recorded in ancient histories uh, uh, that, that, that happened. And you know why it happened? Because Joshua was using the miraculous power of God to possess his promise. And for too long, the churches wanted miracles for nothing. Listen, miracles come when you're doing the will of God and you're getting your best life. Amen. So let's start. So now we're So I really believe God is reminding us, remind the church that they're in the world, but they're not of it because some of us are immersing ourselves in things uh, of the world rather than the things of God. And we do it under the guise of, well, I'm not doing anything wrong, but see, and that's because religion teaches you this religion wants you to know what is right and what is wrong. And that seems like, well, why wouldn't I want to know that? Shouldn't I know that? Yeah, but what's greater than knowing what's right and wrong is knowing God. That's why the Ten Commandments didn't come till Exodus. That's why when God gave uh, a created man in the garden, he didn't, he didn't tell him what was right and wrong because he knew him. Matter of fact, the only tree that Adam and Eve weren't supposed to eat of was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God was saying this, let me worry about that. You just, you just follow me. Because if you start understanding good and evil, then you're going to start living according to that and miss me. And that's what religion does. Religion gives a list of rules. If you do all these things, you're holy. If you, if you stay away from these things, then you're holy. No, you know what makes you holy? Relationship with Jesus. Amen? And so uh, sometimes we go all the way into the world because we don't know Jesus enough. If you start following Jesus, he tells you what you should and shouldn't be doing. And he'll tell you some things to stop doing that aren't necessarily wrong. They're just not good for you. When I first got saved, I remember six months into my walk with God, God tells me in, in, in prayer, you need to get rid of your CD collection. I was like, really? He goes, listen to what all these things are. You're never going to renew your mind while you're listening to Luke from the two live crew. You're never going to get free from sexual spirits as long as you're listening to Too Short and His Freaky Tales. I said, you're right, God. You're right. You're right. This got to go. And so I got rid of that. Did you know that wasn't from a preacher telling me to do it? It wasn't from a pastor telling me to do it. That was from my relationship with Jesus and him and me listening to him because he loves me. That's the way life is supposed to be. I remember when I took my first uh, position as a pastor in Modesto and uh, I was getting my it was the first time I was really living on my own in an apartment and everything. And I, and, I, and, and I got in there and God says, I don't want you to get a TV. I was like, you don't want me to get a TV. Why not? He goes, because I don't want you watching TV. This is the first time you're going to be pastoring people and I want your undivided attention. Now, I didn't do it because I thought TV was wrong. He, it, no, no preacher told me I wasn't listening to those sermons about the one eyed devil. 
You know, they used to preach uh, messages that the TV was the one-eyed devil coming into your house. That's not why I did it. And here's the other thing. I never made anybody else around me do it. Everybody in my church watched TV and everything. I just didn't do it. Why didn't I do it? Because my relationship with God, God wanted to do something in me. And it wouldn't have been wrong if I would have had a TV. But see, that's the power of knowing Jesus. He guides you like that. Amen? You don't always need to be told what to do by folks if you walk with God. And we don't have enough people walking with God, so they say, give me the rules. I don't know why I'm getting into this, but somebody needs to hear this today. Because you got to remember, when Israel was in the wilderness, they had the presence of God in a flame, and they had the pillar of smoke by day. And God was meeting with Moses, and he says, hey, I'm going to come down to the people, and I want to I meet them face to face. And so Moses went down to the people. He said, hey, guys, great news. God is coming to the camp. Do you know what the people did? They said, no, 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 no. We don't want God in our lives like that. You go and you meet with him and you tell him to tell us what to do and how to serve him. We don't want to know him like that. And that's how the Ten Commandments came. It wasn't God's best. It wasn't. And so God's like, well, they don't want to meet me. Okay, you want to know what it takes to be holy? And he gave them the Levitical law. He gave the book of Deuteronomy. He gave the Ten Commandments. And he gave all this stuff that you know what was crazy about it? No man could fulfill. Nobody could fulfill it. That's the whole thing about the law. It's impossible to fulfill. And you say, well, why did God give them something that was impossible to fulfill? Because he wanted them to know, and he wants us to know, that's why you need Jesus. Because in your greatest religion and everything you can do, it ain't good enough, baby. And so that's why we need Jesus. But it was never about this right and wrong thing. Because I have talks with people that, you, that I'm discipling. And you should be discipling people. Amen? How many know that's what we're all called to do, disciple people? That means there should be a group of people following your life. And when they follow your life, you want to point them to Jesus. And so sometimes when I'm discipling somebody, I'll challenge them in an area of their life. And sometimes they'll like it or they won't. But see, here's the here's the thing. When you're following Jesus, you understand it's not I'm not telling you not to do something because it's sin. Maybe we're telling you not to do something because it's not good for you. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. So in those seasons, I call them my blackout periods when I didn't have no CDs and I had no TV. I was in a blackout period. But in my blackout period, I never it wasn't I never went to other people and told them to do that. It would have been wrong for me to do it, not them. Are you guys tracking with me? And that's how God wants to work with us and deal with us. But we've got to open up our hearts to him. If you want a list of rules and regulations, this is not the church for you because it will drive you crazy. You'll get mad because people don't wear ties here. You'll get mad because of this thing or that thing or something you see on social media. We've got to be real careful about all that stuff. But in the midst of that, what is the goal? The goal is to know Jesus and be more about Jesus and the kingdom of heaven than the world. So God is saying to us as a church, remind them that they can, they're in it, but they're not of it. And so now, finally, we jump into John 17. And it says this, but now I come to you. This is Jesus talking. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world. 
just as I am not of this world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you send me into the world, I also send them into the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you to open our eyes in the spirit. I'm not interested in in having a good talk today. I'm not interested in speaking a good sermon. I'm interested in setting a platform, Lord, where you can move in people's lives. Father, show us who we really are and show us the things that we have through our relationship with you. I ask for the anointing to be present today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we've been talking about this for a little while. And you should, if you haven't heard those messages, I want to encourage you to go on the podcast. You can hear those things. But uh, it's interesting to me, and we talked about this last week, that Jesus says, you're not of the world. But I'm not taking you out of the world. You're staying in it. Then he says some other things in Matthew chapter 10, 16. He says, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Wait a minute. I thought, Jesus, you love me. I do love you. I thought, Jesus, you wanted to give me a good life. I do want to give you a good life. I thought, Jesus, you said in John chapter 10, 10, you wanted to give me a better life than I could ever imagine, an abundant life. Jesus says, yeah, I want all those things. But just know this. I'm sending you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. I think that's a powerful statement there because all you got to do in your mind is imagine a wolf. They're not nice creatures. Amen? When you think of a wolf, what do you think? You think of that snarling, you know, maybe a little blood coming off. I don't know anything. But you, you think of this ferocious beast. And he says, I'm sending you out not only into the wolves. That would have been one thing. But he says this, I'm sending you out like sheep unto the wolves. Understand what it means, because wolves eat sheep. And your heavenly father, the God that loves you more than you love yourself, is saying, I'm setting you up here. You need to understand this. I'm putting you in a world that is ferocious and that will eat you for dinner. And here's what's happening to most Christians. The world is eating you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you don't even know it. You're over there petting the world, playing footsies with the world giggling with the world and all the while the world is eating you for breakfast let's keep going then we jump down to john 16 5 and 3 he says but now i go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me where are you going but because i have said these things to you sorrow has filled my heart nevertheless i tell you the truth it's better for you or it's an advantage for you that i go away For I don't go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. Because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. And I still have many things to say to you. Here it is. But you cannot even bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of the things to come. So 
Here we got. Jesus is saying this. He's going, hey, you know, uh, you're not of the world. Uh, you know, be careful out there. Uh, I'm sending you out there into, into an atmosphere that's going to eat you up. But then he says this, but don't fret. The whole reason I'm leaving the earth right now is to send the helper to you because it's through the helper, the Holy Spirit, that you can survive in the earth and dominate it. It's the only thing that's going to keep you from the world eating your life uh, up and, and taking all the blessings of God. And so he sets it up right here. If you guys think I'm awesome, he says, he says, I'm nothing. I got to go because the real true helper is coming. And that word helper there in the Greek is the word paraclete. It speaks of somebody that brings comfort, brings encouragement into your life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, it's crazy today in America how many people are dealing with mental illness. It's a serious epidemic right now. They say one in five adults have been treated for a mental illness in the United States of America. It's a serious thing. So many of us deal with depression. We either have bouts with it or we live with it. And these things are very real. And it's, it's, it's amazing to me that the answer, a big part of the answer of this is found in the reason Jesus left the earth. Because one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the encourager. The encourager. What is it we come under when we feel depressed? Discouragement. Lack of courage. We want to close the curtains, keep the room as dark as possible, and just ball up and sit in a corner or sleep all day. What is that? Not having the courage to face the day. Not having the courage to face people. What is it that causes people to, to shriek back from their dreams? Discouragement. But what is one of the names of the Holy Spirit? The encourager, the comforter, the empowerer. People, we need the Holy Spirit so that the world doesn't dominate our lives. And if you don't think the world dominates people's lives, you are sincerely wrong. I have seen generations of people that live, and you've seen them too, and some of them, we have them in our family. They live in cycles of defeat where grandmother had babies out of wedlock, never got married, never could stay married. Then the daughter comes under the same thing, can't keep a secure family. Now the kids are coming and 15 and 16 years old, broken families are everywhere. What is that? That is people that are seeing the spirit of the world steal from their best life. And I've been a victim of it. You've been a victim of it in some way or another. And it's time it stops. How does it stop? By you and I identifying with God and where we come from. Make no mistake, we're in the world, but we're not of it. We're not of it. Can I get a good strong amen on that? So that's why we're talking about these things. So, so the Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8, we know this scripture, and, and you need to get real familiar with this scripture, because when Jesus leaves, it says 50 days passed and gone. 50 days. We know that because it was the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost means 50. And 50 days after Jesus died and rose and left the earth, the, he, he commanded that the, the, the disciples stay together. Let's read about it. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, don't depart from Jerusalem, 
wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Check out the scenario. Remember, Jesus is all full of warnings. Guys, you're going into a place like sheep amongst wolves. You know what he's saying? You can't do this on your own. He's about to leave and he says, disciples, don't do nothing. Wait in Jerusalem for the promise. Wait there until the promise comes. Because when the promise comes, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. And when that takes place, then you're ready. It's amazing how through 2,000 years of Christianity, we have gotten away from that premise. And we have people trying to live this Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of us in this room attempting to be a good Christian without the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me just ask you this. How's that working out for you? Can I answer it for you? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You will find yourself still in sin, just better at hiding it and coming to church every Sunday without the power of the Holy Spirit. And I did it for a number of years. You will find yourself looking holy, but inside your thoughts are just as impure as when you were in high school. Oh, come on, somebody. You'll find yourself in a place on Sundays between 10 and 12, but still wrestle with staying off of porn sites at night. Still wrestle with impure thoughts or activities or even where you go on a, on a Saturday. Some Christians still have the same vices they had before they received Jesus. And they're never going to be able to shake them until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's when everything changes. And through the mouths of Jesus himself, he said, do nothing until you get filled with his power. But you know what's crazy about this? We've built whole churches and denominations around the world without that power. Just think what we could do with it. Listen, I know guys that aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're doing amazing things through the gifts that God has given them in their life. But what could we do if we learned to tap in to this incredible power that God has given us. Listen, you need to catch this today because I know everybody hears me, but not everybody hears me. The words that I'm preaching are more prophetic than anything. God has told us we're crossing over, which means this. We're going to possess our best life. And we, I don't just mean that as a church. For those that can hear it, it's for you too. For those that you receive it, it's for you too. But here's what you got to know about the other side. Here's what you got to know about the best life. You cannot sustain it on your own. You can't. Read the Bible. The Israelites went into the promised land. Remember, the first group said, we can't even do it. There's giants in the land. They all died. The next group goes in. Joshua says, we got to sanctify ourselves. We've got to find Jesus. We've got to get a hold of him. And when you read how they won their battles... They were all miraculous. It was all through the leading of the spirit. None of it was in their own strength. Think about your own life. Some of us have built some pretty good lives in our own strength. We built some pretty good lives because of your education. You built a pretty good life because of your determination, your will. But what could happen 
if you can tap in to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to catch this today. Listen, I know what it's going to take for this next level as a church, and my wife and I cannot do it if God does not intervene and show us how. We've done some amazing things from a middle school right here in South Sacramento. We've gone around the world. We've sent missionaries. We've fed people. We've given gifts. We've laid hands on the sick. We've seen miracles. But on the other side, it's going to be a lot different. And it's like that for your marriage. It's like that for your family. It's like that for the business that you want to have. But see, here's the problem. Under the world system, we're so good at just relying on our own strength. I'm just telling you, the other side, you're going to have some days where you're going to have to speak to the sun. Sun, stand still. And you know what the Bible says? It stood still until the armies were defeated. No amount of strength, no amount of human will could have won them that battle. And there's going to be battles that you guys are in that no education, no amount of strength, none of that is going to be able to do it. It's going to be your ability to lean in to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power that God gives you. Are you guys catching this today? Give Jesus a good hand clap. Amen. So he says to them, don't do nothing. Tell your neighbor, don't do nothing. Until you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Let's keep reading. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? This is like the dumbest question these guys could have asked him. He just told them what to do. He just told them what's going to come upon them. And they're still carnally thinking about things. They couldn't wrap their mind around what he was saying. And so their concern is, well, are we going to have a kingdom in Israel? And he says to them, listen, don't worry about that. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the fathers put in his authority. Translation, don't worry about it. But you shall, and he goes back to it, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I told you last week, what he's releasing here is that word power or exousia in the Greek. It's a dunamis power. There's another definition for it. And what is it? It's power. What does that word power mean? The word power means the ability to get results. Okay? The ability to get results. That's what power is. And see, the early church didn't understand the power of God, nor what it was for. Pentecostal churches all over the planet called their manifestations power because it's a manifestation of power. But they never used the power. I spent many years laying hands on people in churches and seeing them fall under the power onto the ground, getting up, vibrating even, getting up, and nothing's changed. And they say, what happened? Oh, the power of God hit me. Here's always my question. Well, what did the power of God hit you for? Because the power is the ability to accomplish something. It's the ability to, to, to do something. I'll give you an example. Some of you here, uh, the praise and worship team, has the power to carry a note. 
Some of y'all don't have the power to do that. Amen. And just so you know, that's why the music's so loud. So we hear them and not you. Amen. Amen. That's a good thing. You don't want to hear me doing it. Amen. Turn the music up. Let me hear Christine and Jessica. Let me hear them. Because you and I don't have that power. They have that power. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, guess what happens to the power in them? It increases. But does it increase so they can walk around the room going, oh, shaking and falling on the ground and twitching and doing this? That's all fine. I'm not against any of that stuff. I've seen it all. I'm telling you. And some of it's happened to me before. So I want to be real careful because God will be like, oh, really? I'm going to do that to you tomorrow then. I'm not against any of it. But what's it for? What's it for? It comes so that you get results. Did you, knew, did you know that you need the power to be a good husband? Did you know you need the power to be a good wife? Got less amens on that one. You need the power to be a good mom. You need the power to be a good dad. Once a week trips to McDonald's don't make you a good dad. Makes your kids fat. That's all it does. It don't make you a good dad. Amen? Somebody just got eyes. Listen, it's true. But you know what does? The power, the ability to get the results. Where does it come from? Jesus said here that you will receive power. Power for what? Power for what God has called you to do. What has God called you to do? Some of you business people, the power comes on you to do business. Some of us five-fold ministers, the power comes on me to preach to you, to lay hands on you, to minister to you. Whatever it is you're called to do, the power of God comes on you to do it. Are you guys catching this today? Because then can I just tell you, some of y'all ain't using that power. You're like a blender that's not plugged in. And every day you chopping up all the stuff to make your chile. You get the peppers in there and you're, you're putting it in the blender. And you put your cilantro, your cebolla, your tomato. Come on, you're, come on. You, you're some, mm, getting you hungry. And you put it in there and you live frustrated. Because you hit the button, nothing happens. And you end up jamming a knife in there. I'll do it myself and mix it up like this. Some of us are doing that with our lives. I'm doing that with life. The results you want, you're trying for, but here's the problem. You ain't plugged in. You ain't plugged in. You're doing everything right. You're in the right church. Y'all know you're in the right church, right? Okay. You're around the right people in the church, but you ain't plugged in. So guess what happens? No power. No power to do what? No power to do anything better than how you're doing it. So here's what we see in American church. Y'all, we need to get our eyes off of others. And I, I speak to myself. Sometimes I get online and I see how other people are doing church and how other pastors are doing this and others are doing that. There's nothing wrong from learning from folk, but mostly we got to learn from God. Okay? We got to learn from God and those that God puts in our life to follow. 
You know, we have a pastor, Pastor Charles, and, you know, I bounce things off of him. But for the most part, we're so used to looking at how others are doing things when we really need to look at what his word tells us. And for the most part, so many Christians in America today are just living that wilderness Christian life. And some people want to see the miracles. Where's the miracles? You know where the miracles are? On the other side of the Jordan, the crossing over. That's where they are. Somebody once said this. You know what the difference between the promised land and the wilderness is? Work. Let me just let that marinate right there like some, uh, some, some chicken. I'll use something different today. <laughs> work. Work. In the wilderness, you ain't got to work. You get up and the Krispy Kreme is at the door. Check it out. Their clothes grew with them, y'all. The kids were in the wilderness 40 years wearing the same clothes they wore as little chaparito kids. Now they're grown men. The same, the same sweater fits. Mira, does it grow? <laughs> Seriously, read what the Bible says. It grew with them. Them J's never wore out. But it's kind of boring, right? But see, that's what happened there. But when they crossed over, work, work, fight, get in it. Miracles happen, though, and they possess their best life. Let's keep reading. So Acts chapter one, power means ability to get results. Now, let's look over at Mark chapter 16, 15 through 18. So Jesus is saying, hey, the power's coming. His name is the comforter. He will baptize you with power. Power to do what? It said there in Acts chapter 1, power to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and all the world. Now Mark 16, 15, 18 says this, and Jesus said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues and they will take up deadly serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Folks, this is what some of that power is for. Okay. Uh, The word tongues there, I said a little bit about this last week, comes from the Greek word glossolalia. And that word means language. Let's make no mistake what that word means. It means tongues is a language. Amen? It's not babbling. It's not gibberish. It's not something you make up with your head. It's a language. And all language has an origin. It comes from a place. Okay? And I submit to you the language that is being released to us through these scriptures is the language of heaven. Now, back to Acts chapter 2, 1 through 6. It says, When the day of Pentecost fully came, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and each one sat upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages. And as the spirit gave them utterance 
And there were there dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And I read this last week and I'm going slow through this because I need you to get it. Because here's the problem. Some of you have known this for years, but it's not affecting your life. And how many know when you take a class or sometimes a class or something, the teacher has to review right? What is the review usually for? The review usually comes because I've taught this to you, but I got to review it so you remember it because a test is coming. And I'm telling you prophetically, a test is coming to your life. Don't take the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what he's giving you lightly. You are going to need it on the other side. Amen. In the wilderness, you didn't need it as much. Stuff was done for you. I'm good. I've even had people tell me this. I I, I don't think I need it. If God wants me to have it, he'll just give it to me. Really? What, What logic is that? It's never been that in the kingdom. You have to be uh, open to it. And so and so that's why I'm kind of reviewing this. So I want you to catch this. So it's a language and, and, and the Holy Spirit's first act that he does. He comes to the earth and the first thing he does is he restores a language of heaven to the disciples. It's the first thing he does. See, you got to have understanding about that or else you think, well, why didn't he do something else? Like, why didn't he, you know, go and give them the ability to fly? Why didn't he give them an anointing that you could see? Uh, Why didn't he give them this, that, and the other? Well, he gives us other powers, and we'll talk about those. But the first way he manifests himself in being filled with the Spirit is through tongues. It's an amazing thing. And it's troubled people for eons. It's troubled people, I shouldn't say eons, probably, you know, thousands of years. It's troubled people for a long time because they've had a hard time. Well, what is this? What is it about? Some have even said, well, that passed away. But they have no scriptural reference that that's passed away. They've excused it out of the picture because it doesn't make physical or logical sense unless you understand the scriptures. When you understand the scriptures, you know that the Old Testament and the New Testament are together. And I told you this last week in Genesis chapter 11, uh, the, 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 the story of the Tower of Babel. It says, and it's very clear here, that during the time of the Tower of Babel, everybody on the planet spoke one language. What language do you think they spoke? Some would say, oh, well, it had to have been Hebrew. But you got to understand, God doesn't meet Abraham until the next chapter. So he wasn't even dealing with the nation of Israel yet. There was no nation of Israel. It was not even on the planet yet. So it couldn't have been Hebrew. And I submit to you, it couldn't have been anything else because everything else can be traced back to what happens at the Tower of Babel when God mixes the language and he says, y'all ain't going to be communicating in that language anymore. He takes it back and he hands out Spanish. He hands out English. He hands out Vietnamese, Japanese, Chinese. He hands out Portuguese and all the other eases. There was probably somebody there speaking Spanglish. 
A little Ebonics missed in there. I don't know. There must have been all that. But it comes from that place. So I submit to you this. Could it be the language that Adam walked with God and spoke in was the language of tongues? Could be. Then we see in Zephaniah 3, 9. It's a prophecy about our time, our day. And he says this, for then I will restore to people a pure language that they may all call on the name of the Lord to serve him. Look what it says here in one accord. That's interesting that that phrase shows up again in the book of Acts before they began to pray. It says they were all gathered in one accord. See, Zephaniah is pointing to the day of Pentecost and he says here it's a pure language. Did you know every language on the planet has bad words? Did y'all know that? Y'all are like, no, I don't know any of that. Pastor, what are you talking about? <laughs> Did you know when I travel and stuff, there's always words that will come up that they say, hell, I don't say that. You know, you read something on a sign. I, you know, we were in India and I looked at the graffiti or something and it said something. And they go, oh, don't say that. Oh, is that something bad? Yeah, we don't say that around here. Because every language on the planet has bad words. As some of you, all those bad words are coming into your head right now. Oh, yeah, I know some bad words. <laughs> but did you know this? There's no bad words in tongues. It's a pure language. How do I know? Because the Bible says that when we pray in tongues, we are speaking to God. Let me give you a few more things here, and, and then I'm done. It's a language of the Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 14 and 2. It says this, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. For he who speaks in an unknown tongue or a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Or in other words, straight to God. It's an amazing thing what this prayer language does. It's literally the bat phone to God. God, remember remember watching Batman? Commissioner Gordon. Batman's on the other. That's the red phone, y'all. It's the red phone. That's what it is. Let me show you another one. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, in the Amplified Version, says it like this. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue doesn't speak to people but to God. For no one understands him or catches his meaning, but by the Spirit he speaks mysteries, listen, secret truths or hidden things. That's a superpower, y'all. I'm telling you. Let me read another one to you. 1 Corinthians 14, Uh, 14 through 15 in the New King James Version. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. But what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. What's it saying here? That when I pray in tongues, it has nothing to do with my mind or my body, other than the yielding of the tongue. But it's a prayer that comes from the Spirit. Who lives in your spirit? Yeah, that's not a trick question. Who lives in your spirit? God, right? That's what being born again is. Remember we did the analogy with Eddie uh, Cobb and Jose and Jessica? And the Spirit of God, did you know when you get born again and you become a Christian, God doesn't come and live in your body. He doesn't come and live in your mind. That's why you still have a bunch of bad thoughts in it. He comes and lives in your spirit. So guess 
who is praying when you pray in other tongues. I know you like your prayers. Lord, I just I want that. I need some help over here on the side. I just want you to help me. And they're real. You like being in control, right? Don't we like to pray? I don't know why that voice came out of me right there. I don't know why. <laughs> we like those. We like to be in control of our prayers. But you know what's more important than that? Letting God pray through you. Because we just read he prays the hidden things. He prays the secret things. I don't know what's going on with the county in our plans, but he does. So when I pray for our plans with the building, it sounds like God just, you know, speak to somebody, give us favor, uh, 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 help somebody look at them at the right time. But when I pray in the spirit for those plans, God prays specifically. And he and he speaks to a guy named Pete in the office. And he prays that Pete would go over to our plan and pick up our plan and look at it at that very moment. I can't I can't pray that because I don't know nothing about the office. But God, who knows all things, can pray through me. Fellas, you ever went home and something was wrong with your wife and you said, baby, what's wrong? Nothing. And you go, okay, nothing's wrong. And you try to pray for her. God, help her uh, have a good day. You don't know what to pray for. Help her be happy. But when you go in the other room and you pray in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost prays, Father, in the name of Jesus, alleviate her from the memory of her father. Alleviate her from dealing with this today because somebody said this to her on da 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 da. My mind is unfruitful. I'm just going. But the Holy Spirit, remember, He lives in your spirit, can pray through you the mysteries of heaven. Amen? You want that new job? You don't know what to pray. God, give me that new job. You ask for it, you know, you just say, God, can I have it? You know, give it to me, you know, but sometimes you just need to pray in the Holy Spirit because when I pray in the Holy Spirit, God is praying to God. The perfect will of the Father. Guys, this is how you plug your life in to the power of God. And you know what's the saddest thing? Some of you have been filled for years and you barely pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's change that. Let's change it. That's why I'm taking so much time to make sure you have understanding of these scriptures. Because here's the thing. I want it to be so strong in you that it begins to be a part of your daily life. And then after that, you begin to be a vehicle that fills other people with the Holy Spirit. Did you know we have two responsibilities from God? One is to share Jesus. But after that is to share the Holy Spirit. Now they're going to come to you and what you have to say to them ain't going to be enough. You're going to have to point them to the Holy Spirit. It's got to flow through us. Are you guys tracking with me today? So it says here, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. My understanding don't know what's going on. But what's the conclusion then? I'll pray in both. 
Because sometimes you got to get your understanding wrapped in that. See, if you come to prayer on Thursday nights, what you'll find, what we did this past week, we said, okay, everybody, I want you to just walk this building praying in the Holy Spirit. And then the next 15 minutes, we'll come together and we'll pray in our understanding what people are feeling. And we came against some drug addict spirits the other night. We came against heaviness in the area. We came against prostitution. Somebody had a specific vision of somebody that was climbing on our roof, and we prayed for that person. How did they know about that? The Holy Ghost. When you pray in an unknown tongue, he prays through you. Are you guys tracking with me? You've got to catch this because this is what you're going to need to cross over to the other side. Let me share another scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, 17 through 18. Ephesians chapter 6 is a a chapter everybody knows. It's the warfare chapter. The helmet, it says here, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Well, wait a minute. All prayer? All prayer. Not just prayer in English. You know what it denotes? There's more types of prayer. We'll leave that for another time. But it says, pray all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and for all saints. So what's it saying? It says, put on the full armor of God. We've heard so many messages about that. But it says, once you got the armor on, pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit. That's that hidden piece of armor that most people don't even use. Heck, we'll go to counseling. Before we'll pray in the spirit. We'll go, you know, to a doctor and you haven't prayed in the spirit about your issue at all. And I'm not against those things. Go to counselors, go to doctors. But you're overlooking the power. The power. Let me give you a couple more. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. And let me just encourage you guys, take notes in church. Because the test is coming. The test is coming. And you need to know something because it's in the word of God. Not because Pastor Sergio says it. Don't be one of those Christians that walks around going, well, my pastor says, no, what does the word say? Well, at my church, we believe, no, what does the word say? Amen? Because the person on the street don't give a rip what I think or say. Unless, and they shouldn't, unless it's in the Bible. Jude one twenty says this, but you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Y'all see that praying in tongues gets you the ability to get results. I'll say it like this. Praying in tongues is power. It's power. It's power. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses for we don't know what we should pray for like we should. But the spirit himself makes intercessions with us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. You ever wake up some days and you just ain't got it? Usually it's a Monday, right? And everybody goes on their social media, I hate Mondays. Do you know there's reasons sometimes why you wake up in a bad mood? There's reasons why you're feeling off certain days. You might not know why, but he does. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. See, the old saints used to just use praying in tongues as this thing they did when they got super excited in church. 
my grandfather's church, man, only time you saw that is when they said the spirit fell on Sunday. And some of the hermanas would go to praying, vibrating and shaking the hair bun out because they used to wear hair buns there. All the little things would come out, shaking it out. And that was it. That was what the power was. But no, I'm telling you, the power is not that. That's a manifestation of the power. Same way if you stuck something into a light socket, you would get shocked. But the, the, the power is not there for the shock. The power is there to make something work, to make something run. We need to lock in to the power of the Holy Spirit that comes through praying in other tongues. Some of you are too casual about the fact that you got loved ones that are not going to heaven. That should break you. That should break your heart every day. That should be your motivation to get up every morning and pray in the spirit for your little mijo or your mija. You're going through life like, well, if it's the Lord's will. No, you need to pray them in. Yeah, but I don't know what's going on in their life exactly. The Holy Spirit does. Some of you are too casual about your vision. And, and, and when you're casual about stuff, you, you say things that aren't even scriptural. Well, if it's the Lord's will, we'll get a house. Quit saying that kind of stuff. Because let me tell you something. There's plenty of things going on in the world that is not the Lord's will. This thing of, well, God's in control. No, he ain't. God's not in control of everything. You think he was in control of those fires? You must be kidding me. The God of this world's burning people up, not Jesus. So quit saying things that fit your situation. Well, like, you know, it's just, if it's the will of God, I'll get better. If it's God's will, we'll stay together. No, work at that thing. Get better on your job. Keep coming to church. Keep, are you guys tracking with me? And part of how we do that, remember, Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. What you, what you bind on earth and what you loose, you know what that means? It means this, what you allow to happen on earth, I'll allow. What you don't allow, I won't allow. That's what that means. What are you allowing in your family? What are you allowing in your finances? What are you allowing in your life? Sitting back thinking, well, if God wants me to have it, I'll just get it. No, you won't. I'm giving you a key here that can unlock so much for your life. It's a grace gift of tongues. And I can't stress how important it is because the first time the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene, he gives it to all the disciples. All of them. Same way he did last week. Same way. And here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing about a gift. You got to receive it. You got to receive it. It's for everybody. But did you know some people don't want to receive it? Listen, Jesus died for everyone. But only those that receive him get the benefits of the gift. Same way with the Holy Spirit. Only those who receive him get it. And just like any gift, you've got you've to take part in receiving it. Amen? You've got to take an action and 
put a hand out and bring it in. And did you know praying in the Holy Spirit is just like that? The Bible says when he laid a hand, when the Spirit of God fell on them, they began to speak. The old timers used to believe that God took possession of you. And you couldn't even control it. Like all of a sudden you're at the altar and you're just da, 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 looking around. Like, I can't. God is not like that. Those situations are very rare when God overrides your human will. You know who does? The devil. Demon possession is a real thing. It's when the devil occupies a body and makes you do stuff. God don't do that. It takes a yielding. So when I heard a word uh, about it, came to the altar, put my hands up, pastor laid hands on me. He said, now speak, but don't speak in English or Spanish. I said, you ain't got to worry about Spanish. My Spanish ain't that good, but I won't pray in English. And I just began to let come out of me. And you know what happened? Because it's a language, I got like one or two syllables. The same way when my son, Sergio, started talking, he got a few syllables. The English language didn't just come on my kids one day in the crib and I walk in the room and my son goes, Father, you're awake. So pleasant to see you. The English language came on them and he would say, Dada, Dada, Dada. It was the first word he learned. My wife doesn't like to hear that, but it was. The second word he, heard, he uttered was mine. Mine. And then mom. No, 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 I'm just joking. <laughs> but do you see the correlation here? It comes little by little. Because I'm going to pray for some of you in just a little bit. And so many people have a hard time receiving it because they have these misunderstandings. Yours ain't going to sound like mine. I got some crazy tongues. I'm just telling you. Because I've been praying in tongues for over 30 years. And it develops. And I don't know what I'm saying. Sometimes I hit these veins and my mind will go, whoa, that sounds Chinese. <laughs> I just go, shut up, mine. I'm praying in the spirit. Whatever, it comes out of me. I get in these things and it'll just go. My kids will tell you. It just goes in these crazy, crazy directions. But when you first get it, it might be a syllable. It might be a noise. But you go and you just keep, boom, da-da, 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 da-da. And what usually happens to a parent when they're hearing their baby talk for the first time? Then they feel so good, parents. Oh, this is so cool. That's how God is doing you in those moments. Some people stop praying in tongues because they talk themselves out of it. Oh, that's not it. That's not it. I'm so glad my babies didn't do that. Oh, this isn't English. Dada is not a word. Dada is not a word. No, it's just going to take some time, you know? It's going to take some time for you to get a strong prayer language. But what you got, go with it. Go with it. Let's stand on our feet. It's a language. And it's going to unlock something very powerful in you. Some of you old timers got to understand this because it's a language. It should change. Did you know there are some Christians that are still saying the same thing in their prayer language? 20, 30 years. And they're still saying, see, spot, run. 
Tony picked up the ball. Your prayer language stays the same for 30 years because you never use it. There's depths to this thing. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.